Thank you, Brother Wells. Good morning. I want to take a text uh, to start out with this morning and maybe come back to it if I can to help tie it all together. Um, it's a text in Second Timothy, the first chapter, and verse 7. It's very familiar to us all. And it says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And that's probably one of, maybe with the exceptions uh, of maybe Romans eight twenty nine and Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, probably one of the uh, verses that is the most ignored in the Bible um, because it tells us that God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, and that means that there are things that the Spirit of God gives us. And we read about that in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, and temperance. Those things come from God. But fear, which is a, is a nasty, nasty companion that every one of us walks hand-in-hand hand with at some point in our life, uh, probably daily, um, is not from God. And that's an easy test to think is... Uh, to, to ask yourself, are the thoughts in my mind, are they generating the emotion of fear? I'm not talking about reverential respect for God. I'm talking about fear, terror, worry, horror, uh, what could happen, what if, those types of things. If those types of thoughts are being generated in your mind, I promise you, on the authority of the Word of God, that is from the devil. Because God does not generate that in our spirit. He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, I want you to hold on to those, to those few thoughts there and maybe uh, jot that scripture now, 2 Timothy 1.7. That fear that the devil uh, has a way of, of uh, whispering in our ear and getting it to creep into our minds... Sometimes that fear um, has uh, uh, an exciting factor to it, right? Sometimes there's something about uh, just being a little bit afraid and a little bit jumpy that, that, that just kind of excites us. And so sometimes we forget that fear is not from God. Now, back in the 90s, in the early 90s or mid-90s probably, um, there were a series of books that came out, and they are known as the Left Behind series. Probably some of y'all are familiar with that. Some, some of y'all have probably read those books. Uh, we've had a few of them in our house, and I'm not a huge reader, so I never really got into them. But they were the Left Behind series. Now, the Left Behind series is a, uh, it's a if you ask me, it's a, it's a fictional book series of books now listen there were 16 books in these series 65 million copies sold um there were there were four movies made out of this um there were uh there was a video game made off of it uh and they even uh, uh, uh changed the series a little bit and wrote a whole new series of books that were specifically designed for um, teens. They took all the main characters out and they put, uh, made them teenagers so it would interest the teens a little bit. And the Left Behind series um, is uh, somewhat uh, based off uh, doctrinal teachings in many of, uh, of the churches today. And it revolves around the idea that the Lord is coming back at an unknown time and an unknown hour and you better have made preparations in order to go to heaven before that time happens. Are you with me? 
And so the whole book is based off, uh, off of that, the, that false theology, that idea that God has got a huge clock and eh, when the buzzer runs out, he's coming back and everybody that has checked off these certain boxes and met these certain conditions will get to go to heaven. And everybody that doesn't or has not met those conditions, they go to hell. Now, let me ask you this. Does that generate fear in the minds of people? Absolutely. Being left behind. I don't care if it's a if it's a a, a child at a store. The fear of being left by your father is terrifying. So ask yourself this. If that generates a sense of terror, is that from God? All right. Thank you, brother. You can't answer. Thank you. There was a, a a song, and I'm not sure the title of the song. Um, but the the there's a, a couple lines in there that the song says, "I wish we'd all been ready." There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. And this whole series of books was revolved around that. And I I can remember seeing some little production videos of. They would have a church setting just like this and and a guy would be up standing there preaching and all of a sudden, bam, this loud noise happens and half the church disappears. And everybody's looking around like we've missed it. The buzzer sounded and we've been left behind. Folks, let me assure you, in case I fall over dead right now and I don't get to finish this, that's not true. And it's not biblical. It is absolute fiction. All right, but let me tell you this. Let me tell you where this comes from. If you flip over in your Bibles to Matthew, the 24th chapter, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture. And this is where that idea that the Left Behind series comes from. All right? All these productions about half the church disappearing and God's people uh, that have met certain conditions being taken off and everybody else that failed to meet those conditions being left behind. This is where this comes from. Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 30. I'm going to start reading in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah, Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew it not and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Now this is where they really like to focus in and really, really, really stimulate that fear. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. And from that little small passages of scripture, 65 million copies of a book had been sold. Multiple of those books made it to the New York Times number one best selling. Four movies were made and a video game made. You know why? Because it's got that little, you know, that little bit of excitement of fear. Because let me tell you something, you can't sell movies off the doctrine that we believe in the Primitive Baptist Church. It's too simple and it's just too true 
to make it entertaining to a lot of people. Now, if these verses that I've just read you, that, oh, bam, all of a sudden one is taken and the other's left, what what, what does that mean? All right, that's important to know. What does it mean? I don't have time to go through the entire chapter of Matthew, the 24th chapter, but I will tell you this. If you remember in the year 70 AD, Jerusalem fell to the Roman Empire. It was a prophecy that had long been talked about. Jesus himself was very clear on it that the Roman Empire is going to come uh, and they are going to invade Jerusalem. They're going to overtake Jerusalem. It is going to be a nasty, nasty siege. And God's people in Jerusalem, they are going to be scattered and people are going to be killed. It's, it's just going to be a mess. And God is long, or the Lord had long talked about that. Now, I want to go through Matthew, the 24th chapter, and hopefully prove to you that the verses that I read to you, that the whole Left Behind series of Revolve Around, have nothing to do with eternity, but have everything to do with that period of time where the Roman Empire came in and overtook Jerusalem. I want, to, I'm not, I want you to read, go back and read maybe this afternoon the entire chapter of Matthew 24. But I'm just going to give you a few verses here. <clears throat> and to start out in verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming at the end of the world? You see, they already misunderstand. Jesus is not talking about the end of the world. Jesus is talking about the time that the Roman Empire is coming into Jerusalem to destroy it. Now, let's look at just a few verses here, and let's put this to the test. If he is talking about a secret rapture, if he is talking about a time when the Son of Man comes and bam, all those that have met certain conditions go to heaven and everybody else is left behind, does this verse make sense? Speaking to these people that ask the question, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Does that sound like a Roman Empire coming in and destroying the Jerusalem nation? Or does that sound like God coming and leaving a bunch of people behind? He's talking to his apostles here. And he says, during this time period, for those of you that are still alive, they're going to deliver you up and afflict you and kill you. That doesn't sound like a, a, a major secret rapture, does it? It sounds like some faithful, obedient children of God will still be here suffering during this time. What about verse 15? He says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by spoken of Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now, the abomination, abomination of desolation is, is, is uh, many different things. <clears throat> but when the Roman Empire came into Jerusalem, it was about a five or six month siege of the city. That... This temple that they loved so dearly, this city that they loved so dearly, all of a sudden, what kind of flags are flying outside this temple? It's flags of the Roman Empire. What kind of false gods are brought into this temple? Gods of Zeus? 
False images are brought into the holy temple of God. History even tells you that they brought in a pig and slaughtered it on the altar where a lamb was supposed to be slaughtered. Now, I want you to imagine this. We love this place, do we not? I know this is just brick and mortar, but I still love it. What if time passed and maybe maybe you were gone for a season and you drove back down Boyd Road and when you came by here, you realized this had been turned into an abortion clinic? How would that make you feel? That is a gut-wrenching thought. When these people saw this temple and all the abominations in the temple... And the Roman flags flying and the false gods in there and everything that they treasured torn down and destroyed. Do you know how that probably made them feel? What they were looking at was an abomination. This refers to the invasion of the Roman Empire. Let's go a little further. Verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation such as not what since... For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If Matthew, the 24th chapter, is referring to a secret rapture, the Bible tells us right there that God's elect are left behind. Doesn't even make sense to apply this to an, an eternal coming back, getting of his people, and taking them back to heaven and leaving people behind, right? Now, let's keep going. Some people say, oh, but it says, for as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Listen, you cannot read your Bible and apply the coming of the Son of Man to only being an eternal thing. The coming of the Son of Man means there is a judgment coming upon Jerusalem for their disobedience and it came swiftly. And that's what the coming of the Son of Man refers to right here. Because you can't have the coming of the Son of Man, meaning a secret rapture, and have the elect be left behind. Makes no sense. But what can you have? You can have the judgment of the coming of the Son of Man come on a city that was disobedient and and God's people suffer. God's people suffer. He's told the apostles, you're going to suffer when this happens. He tells us right here, if I didn't shorten these days, all of you would be dead. But I'm going to shorten these days in order for the sake of the elect. That doesn't sound like a secret rapture to me. Then it says, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. What in the world does that mean? Does anybody want to guess what the logo, the emblem The ensign of the Roman army was eagles. What was on the flags flying outside the temple? Eagles. What was standing over the dead bodies of the people of Jerusalem on the on the armor of the Roman soldiers? It was eagles. If you ask if you if you're out somewhere in a battlefield and a man runs up to you and you look on somewhere on his uniform and you see an eagle, a globe and an anchor, you know, it's a what? A marine. That's their emblem. That's their logo. For wheresoever the carcass, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered also. That's just a picture of the Romans coming in and laying waste to the people of Jerusalem. It says, oh, but it says this, Luke. 
It says, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Oh, Luke, that's a secret rapture. No, it's not. Do you know what preachers are called in the Bible often? What are they called? Angels. Angels, messengers with the gospel message. And what are we in right now? What age are we in? We're in the age when the preachers of that God has called are going out and sounding the gospel trumpet to bring the elect back together to hear the word of God. You see, the Roman Empire came and destroyed Jerusalem and God's sheep were scattered. But yet he sent angels, messengers to call them back with a gospel trumpet to bring them back and to feed them again. Now, I could go on and on and on in Matthew 24, but I don't have time to do it. And to prove to you the context that we're dealing with here is not a secret rapture. And guess what? When when this came. When this came, no man knew the day or the hour. Only God knew as the days of Noah were, they were just living their life, doing what they normally do. And then the judgment of the son of God came on them. And they didn't even know it until the Romans started knocking on the doors. And when the Romans started knocking on the doors, they went into houses and took the ones they wanted to take. And they killed the ones they wanted to kill. And they left the ones they wanted to leave. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Brothers and sisters, everything about Matthew 24 is about the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But yet 65 million copies were made of a book that tells you if you don't meet certain conditions, you're going to be the one left. And the spirit of fear courses through the minds of all those people. And that is not from God. Amen. Now, again, if I fall over dead, I want you to hear this. And this is what I want to leave you with. This point is what I want you to take home. God is not a God that leaves his people behind. Amen. Do you hear me? God is not a God who leaves his people behind. There's a time in Genesis, the sixth chapter, when the whole world was wicked. And God makes a covenant with Noah. You can read about that in Genesis, the sixth chapter. God tells Noah, I'm about to destroy this place, but I'm making a covenant with you. And I want you and I want your wife and I want your three sons and I want their wives to get on a boat and escape the wrath that is about to come. And I've told you this before. What do the children's book tell you? Children books, children's books will tell you that Noah stood and he preached and he preached and he preached. Now listen, there'll be people that disagree with me on this, but I have combed through these scriptures to try to prove myself wrong. All I can find on Noah is that he was a preacher of righteousness. But I don't find one ounce of scripture that says that Noah begged and pleaded and warned them to get on the ark and they refused. What the Bible teaches is that God, because of grace, comes to Noah and says, eight people have my promise, my covenant, and my deliverance. Eight people. And that's who the ark was for. 
The ark was never an open door to whoever wants to come on, just come on. I saw something one time that showed a picture of, of an ark floating and waves crashing and, and people in the, in, in, the, in the water, you know, screaming and yelling. And it says they were warned. I don't think the Bible teaches that. Why? Because the Bible says this. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. This tells me that they didn't know it. Why didn't they know it? Because God's covenant was with a specific people and he got them out of there and nobody was left behind. Isn't that beautiful? That doesn't scare you, does it? You see, I can't make a movie out of that. I can't make a movie that at the beginning says there was a covenant made with eight people and he saves them all and nobody's left behind. I can't sell one copy of that. Maybe Brother Tim will buy it because he's nice. But his covenant was with those people. And everybody else that was wicked and unrighteous. Yeah, sure, maybe they saw the boat. Maybe they said, what are you doing? No, I'm building a boat because it's going to flood. And they laughed at him and went on. You don't find one shred of scripture that says he preached to them to try to get them to repent. Because God made a covenant with a specific people. And he took those people out and he delivered them. And not one was left behind. You remember what I preached to you about several weeks ago? That... There's a flock of a hundred sheep and one of them strays. God is not a God that leaves his people behind. He went and got the one sheep. He delivered Noah. Now, in Matthew, the seventh chapter, the Bible says this. It says, which one of you whose son asked him for bread will give him a stone? And which one of you, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? And he says, you being evil or corrupt or fallen, if you know how to good give to give good gifts to your children, don't I know even better how to do that? You know, you know what the Lord is telling us? I strive very hard. It is one of my life's goal is to do my best. And I know I'm failing to be a good father. But you know what the Bible tells me? As good as I might ever be, I don't even come close to being the Father God is. I would never intentionally leave my children behind. Ever. And if me, being evil and corrupt and of a sinful nature, have enough love in my rotten heart to never leave one of my children behind... How much more would God be so determined to make sure all of his children are with him? He's a better father than we are. Let me leave you with this as I close. And I I know I've used this example before. And I'll probably use it again, but it's worth it. If there's no other place in the Bible that proves to me. That God is not a God that leaves his people behind. It's in Isaiah the 53rd chapter. And in Isaiah the 53rd chapter. In verse 10 it says. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now notice this last part. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Now, 
I've used that, this example, well, maybe not exactly like this. If I woke up last night to the smell of smoke in my house, and I, I, I woke Tiffany up and said, Tiffany, I think the house is on fire. We need to get out of here. And I walked outside and left my children behind. Come on now. What kind of father would I be? If I went to room number one and brought that children, that child out to safety, and then I went to room number two and brought that child out to safety, went to room number three and brought, brought that child out to safety, went back to get number four, but flames had engulfed the room and I couldn't get into them and they died, you will not hear me come out of there and say I'm satisfied with my saving work because I left one behind. Right. The only way I could be satisfied with my saving work is if I saved every single one of my children. Amen. That's the only way I would ever say I'm satisfied. The Bible says, as he hung on the cross and suffered, it says he could see the travail of his soul. Do you know what the travail of his soul is? His people. And he could see them. And he knew what he was purchasing as he hung and suffered and died on that cross. And he was satisfied with it, telling me, if he's a better father than I am, and he's satisfied with it, and I wouldn't be satisfied unless I saved them all, the conclusion is he saved them all. And he even says that in John the 6th chapter, of all that you've given me, I will not lose one. God is not a God who leaves behind his people. Everyone that he intends to be with him in heaven will be there. And it, 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 it sorrows me that 65 million copies of a book were sold that did nothing but generate fear in the minds of God's people. Right. That, oh, I might be the one that's left behind. I hope I checked the boxes right. I hope I was sincere. I hope I did all this right. Blah, 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 blah. Put all that in the trash. Because the book that I would write would have one chapter, one page, and it says God does not leave his children behind. That would be my book. And nobody would buy it. Until suffering came. Until doubt came. Until fear came, they would throw aside all these books to pick up and read that one statement. That God is not a God who leaves his people behind. He brought Noah out and he'll bring every one of his people out. And the wrath of God will fall on those people that the wrath of God was intended for. And not one of them, not one of them would rather be with the Lord. They would rather suffer the wrath of God than to be with the Lord because that's what wickedness is. I hope that that's been comforting, comforting to you. Amen. It's been so comforting me to study that because one day I'll be laying on my deathbed. And if I've got five minutes to think about the death that I've got coming, I don't want to spend that five minutes wondering if I checked all the boxes right. I want to spend that five minutes knowing that he's not going to leave me behind. I'll leave you with this one quick story. And I've told you this story before. Um, when I was younger, uh, probably 13-ish maybe, I don't know, 14, um, mom and dad, I, I wanted to go hunting, and they could, neither one of them could take me and, and uh, um, stay there with me. So um, 
I think mom took me and dropped me off, right? Probably 20, 30 miles from the house. We wouldn't do that nowadays. It was a different time back then. And I'd been through Alvin Hagler School of Gun Safety, which everybody needs to go through. And they, and they took me and they dropped me off. <clears throat> but their wires got crossed on who was supposed to pick me up. And so darkness came, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, well, you know, this is an adventure for a little boy. And, you know, it got a little darker and a little darker. The coyotes started howling. It got cold. And there was never one moment that I worried that I'd been left. I knew they were coming to get me. And there may be times in your life when things are dark and scary and maybe you had the tendency to have doubts creep in. Rest assured, he's going to get you. He's not going to leave you behind. I hope that's been profitable to you. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.